right now. These are kids right now who are hurting. And if we don't have the empathy or the heart, we got to really ask ourselves why that is. You're listening to Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation. I'm George Lee, and my co-host is Jessica Vandenberg. It is always a great honor to be asked to acknowledge the land we stand on and the peoples of this land. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional territory of Treaty 6, Métis Nation Zone Number 4 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And you may be joining from another treaty region, another Métis Nation Zone, unceded land or a different area. We stand upon a land that carries the footsteps and hearts of many First Nations, Métis and Inuit peoples that have been here for thousands of years and many generations. We would like to acknowledge our and their relationship with Mother Earth and the traumatic and oppressive history that they have been through. It is an interconnected relationship that we have with land spirit, but we're all relations and we all have an obligation to that relationship. This land has nourished and healed, protected and embraced us. And we're grateful to the Indigenous peoples that have been stewards of this interconnected relationship with Mother Earth and land spirit. We're all relations, and as such, we all respect each other in our beliefs, but also our own individual relationships with Mother Earth and land spirit. And so from my heart and spirit to yours, I open this podcast in a good way. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 4 of Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation, our first ever New Year's resolution episode. George Lee here, a co-host and the producer of the podcast, First order of business is recognizing two financial supporters who went to our coffee site and made donations. Hillary Smith calls us one of the most important and raw podcasts I have ever listened to. Bettina Orr, meanwhile, says, amazing podcast. Thank you. And thank you, Bettina and Hillary. We are thrilled to have you along for this bumpy and fascinating ride. If other listeners want to be like Bettina and Hillary, go to coffee.com slash unsettled journeys and make a one-time or ongoing donation. That's ko-fi.com slash unsettled journeys. A few notes about what's ahead. Jessica gives an elder reading to underline the importance of sharing. It's from the book Meditations with Native American Elders, The Four Seasons, Winter, Spring, Summer, Fall by Don L. Coyhas. I mentioned a group called Prairie Sage in Edmonton that I want to connect with. Its full name is Prairie Sage Protectors. Jessica speaks of an upcoming round dance at the University of Alberta. The date for that is January 28, 2023. I mentioned a big August powwow in Masquachese. That's the Samson Cree Nation powwow. And I don't have the dates yet, but we'll post them on Facebook. It does tend to be in August. Some of you may have noticed the teasers on Facebook about what's coming up in this episode, but otherwise you'll just have to listen to find out what our 2023 resolutions are. These are simple, practical things you can do in 2023 to make truth and conciliation part of your personal process. And I'd say they apply pretty well equally to Indigenous and non-Indigenous listeners, maybe skewed a little bit towards the non-Indigenous among you. But biased, as I most definitely am, I think there's something for everyone, and it's a really fun conversation that Jessica and I hope you enjoy. Okay, let's go. The way I kind of envisioned this was us each having five resolutions, so I have my five. However, I thought afterwards, you know, this is your work. I mean, to impose on you to have five reconciliation resolutions of your own, I think is uh, not very polite of me to even suggest. So I guess what I'm going to say is yours could be more suggestions for just people generally, rather than things you're going to do. And mine are going to be kind of specific things that I'm going to do, you know, much of it related to the podcast. So I just wanted to get that air clear right away. (laughs) You know, oh, what a jerk I'm saying to, you know, somebody who works, you know, nine to five plus 
in this area. Oh, and you need to have reconciliation <laughs> resolutions. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think you're doing enough. So anyway, so I wanted to kind of clear the air on that, whether it needed to be cleared or not. I wanted to just sounds, say that. Sounds good. And I think it's important to be in the podcast too, right? Like, because we talk a lot about the emotional toll that it takes on Indigenous people to work in reconciliation space, right? And we talk about being cautious about things like tokenism and overloading the demographics that need the allyship. You know, that whole piece of it, I think is important to mention too. Are you interested in kicking it off? Do you want me to do the first one or do you have one you want to mention or? Maybe I'll kick it off. Okay, perfect. <laughs> let, me, perfect. let me just ramble away for a bit. As we approach 2023, the calendar year shifts over for Indigenous people who follow the moon calendar. Things kind of switch over winter solstice and you go season to season, right? So winter solstice takes us from the fall to the winter. Fall is a time of letting go, of shedding things, of getting ready for the winter. And the winter is a time of storytelling and this time to sit together and the time to reflect and, and hibernate and restore yourself, nourish yourself, those types of things. So I'll give you another reading from one of the Dene elders. So this one is about nature spirit, it says. So Yamoria was a great medicine man who came to change the lives of the Dene and encouraged them to care for each other and establish equality. Yamoria traveled around the world helping people who had problems, and he also gave them laws to live by at a time when there was much danger by bad shamans. Even though he shared these laws a long time ago, they still apply today. The most important law of all is to share what you have. This was an umbrella law under which sit all other laws. In the past, it was of absolute importance that people share what they had just for survival. Share all the big game you kill. Share the fish you catch more than you need for yourself. And there are others who don't have any. How could sharing help us today is the question that they leave us with. So when I think about going into this next season and really reflecting on this past year, coming out of COVID, there's still remnants of COVID around the world. We think of the war that's going on. We think of the things that have been happening with nature, uh, climate change, environmental issues with the nations and the Métis and Indigenous people within Canada, still a lot of social injustice, a lot of isolation. Very present is the basic needs not being met, boil water advisories of chiefs and nations fighting to be heard and to be at tables, to strive for sovereignty and uh, to have the treaties honoured. And I think about this, you know, the basic teaching of sharing, take only what you need and share the rest. Right. This is, I think, almost every elder I've talked to have always shared this, this idea. Right. And so give away what you have. Right. So I think about that a lot, especially at the holiday season, because we give each other gifts. And of course, we've talked about gifting. Gifting is a big thing. I and mean, gifting is a form of sharing. Right. So in our house, we always make sure that we go through and donate everything that we haven't used for the past year, all our coats and boots and toys the kids no longer use and we give them away partially to make space for new things but also partially because we don't use them and somebody else could be using them right and so when I think about going into this new year and reflecting back on the year this teaching of of sharing really resonates especially around this holiday season and so yeah, I think George we wanted to have a conversation about um, how we're both kind of preparing for the winter season and what we're taking away from this past year and reflecting forward. That's great. I love that because mine, uh, my resolutions, they're kind of engineering almost like, okay, is this something that I can measure? Is it something that I can actually do? Like, <laughs> is it achievable? Is it measurable? All the things that uh, you and I and I in, in in some of our past lives and probably in your current life are really encouraged to do and are really, are really important. And then you came up with one that was just so tied to the various indigenous worldviews so that's that's spectacular so what i'm hearing is is a resolution that encourages sharing in a meaningful way so whatever that is for the individual and i look at in my world so here's here's two things i have a storage shed which i can't you know i shouldn't really be paying for anyway because i don't need most of the stuff in it and I go back and forth, like, do I still need DVDs? 
and I, and I, and I really don't make the hard decisions. So the process has started. And so what I'm encouraging myself to do is I'm either going to reduce the size of that storage shed by getting rid of the stuff that can either be recycled or given away and just get rid of the stuff and not cling to the idea that someday I may need this because someday, maybe right now for somebody else who needs it. And the same thing goes with clothing. I have so many pieces of clothing that I never wear or that are superfluous. I have extra toques. I have extra gloves. And uh, a lot of those I can get rid of. Uh, that's my takeaway from that. And the interesting thing that you say that somebody someday might be right now, right? And when we talked about Wakotoin, uh, when we talk about the ancestors walking with us, this is what we're taught. And I believe this, right? Because there's been too many times where things have just inter- intersected just perfectly to make the change that I needed or the catalyst that is needed for the situation to result in an experience that I would have never thought would have ever happened. Right. And so it's the same with not knowing when somebody might be in need of something. And it makes me think of past Christmases as well. Remember working at this one place, like, um, as you know, I do a lot of public speaking. And so I get gifted a lot of speakers' gifts, which often I, I just give away. I don't need more things. I appreciate the, the gesture, but I give them away. And I follow my gut a lot on gifting. And so I had received this uh, nice large candle, you know, with the three wicks in it. And when I look at these things, I'm like, oh, that makes me think of this person. I'm going to put pop it in a bag and, and pass it onward to this person. And it was a lady that I, I worked with. And I gave it to her and I said, you know, I don't know if the office always appreciates you the way that you need to be appreciated, but I see you and then you do a lot for me. And I just want to say, thanks, here's a, a present for you. And she opened it and she just, she just burst into tears. She said, I really wanted a candle like this. And this year money is so tight that um, we're not buying each other presents in our family. It needs to go towards food. And she just like, how did she's like, how did you know I wanted this candle? <laughs> I said, I don't, I don't know how I did, but uh, this was meant for you then, right? And so things like that happen. So you know, when it's feeling right for you to give away the things that you no longer need, then it could be going to that person who needs it at that very moment, even if it is just to lift their spirits. We almost sometimes tend to think of re-gifting as an offense. What you've done is you've reframed re-gifting as a very positive thing. Like you can accept the gift with utter graciousness, but there should be nothing offensive about that gift going to somebody else who actually needs it more than you do. It doesn't need to be, oh, geez, another candle that I don't need or whatever it is. You know, you can graciously accept that and think, wow, this is an opportunity. This is very interesting because I just had that conversation with my partner. He comes from a a bit more of a traditional mindset. His mind is always being opened by conversations that we have and same with mine. Appreciate his perspective. But, you know, I I said, like, I am a re-gifter. I think there's nothing wrong with that. If someone gives me something, I will appreciate the moment and what it means. And like, I keep every single card that anybody's ever given me. Because those things mean a lot and they remind me of that gift that they gave. But the things that we have here are just things like they're not things we take with us. We're taught relationships are the important thing here. The experiences are the important thing here. The stuff, it doesn't matter. If you pass it onwards and it heartens somebody's spirit, if it makes their day, if you don't need it, share it. So it's it's not that you don't appreciate the gift or... It's not that the gesture doesn't mean a lot because it does, right? But if it's something that doesn't fit you, personally, I don't have an issue with it being passed on. I want to make sure that the things that I give to people are things that mean a lot. And then when we talk about things like elder protocol and we coach people through elder protocol, we say you give the tobacco, you give traditional medicines, but then you also always give something that means a lot to that elder. And so that is a reflection of the relationship you have, right? So there are gifts that people give me that like they know me really well and, and like they hit it up, they hit it every time, right? Um, but if you know the person you're giving something to really well, then you will know what means the most to them for that time. 
that's great. So we've got number one, we've got sharing. So so my next one then is going to be another area that we're very much involved in here, and that's learning. The way I am personalizing this in the coming year, I want to learn more about the Indigenous history of the Edmonton area, and I'm going to use as a starting point the ward names in Edmonton. So this is part of a, a process that I think is termed indigenization, where geographic and other naming things, we start to either rename or turn names in, into things that are more reflective of Indigenous cultures. And I don't think it's an, an empty gesture. And it's certainly not an empty gesture if people take the time to actually learn what those words mean in the worlds that, that they're geographically occupying. So I want to do that. And I'm going, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to learn each word name. So what it means and uh, what it, what nations it represents and how to pronounce it. Yeah. So, so the, the pronunciations are really tough for me and I know how insulting it can be for people when you mispronounce things that are important to them. The other part sounds kind of fun. The pronunciation part sounds really intimidating to me. So I really am going to have to work on that. So although it seems like a fairly small project, I think it's kind of a big project. <laughs> I think the pronunciation doesn't offend people so much because the gesture of even trying um, outweighs that, right? So that fear of, of mispronunciation, I don't think is as big as you, you think. But this idea of continual learning is an important one. And hopefully that's on everybody's list of things that they're looking forward to working on in 2023. I mean, this whole podcast is part of that, is part of learning. And for me, the contribution to helping people learn is, is doing the, the talks and the presentations and the lecture series that I host out of the University of Alberta. And the the part of reconciliation that hits upon, which is which is many, is also the support for this decade of restoration of Indigenous language that the United Nations have since. So helping to restore Indigenous languages around the world, right? And, and this is such a big thing because when it comes to oppression and colonization, when the cultural genocide came, stripping of cultural practices was there, but also the stripping of languages, right? So helping to restore sleeping languages, helping to restore pre-Dene, like the other things from the Edmonton area, are a big thing, right? So this is a great resolution, George. You're listening to Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation. I'm Jessica Vandenberg, and my co-host is George Lee. What you got for the number three resolution that we're going to have on our list? I guess what I encourage people, as we mentioned in the past episodes, is is just to support Indigenous businesses, right? And I know often people jump to craftspeople and things like that, but there are large Indigenous-owned businesses too, right, like that are involved in clean energy for procurement, for services, for contracting, jobs for infrastructure projects. There's Indigenous-owned consultancies, um, things like that. There's ways to support in all areas. And I think that is a, a big one that people need to think about. So like we we did the episode talking about encouraging holiday shopping, but you can think about this in other ways for event management, using Indigenous caterers. You can think about for industry, the procurement, the impact benefit agreements that allow a larger contribution to large infrastructure projects, like all of that is a big deal, right? So I think I'd encourage that one as a resolution. We tried to do that with the podcast as much as we could too. We have our theme music is written and performed by an Indigenous man. Our logo is co-designed by an Indigenous and a non-Indigenous person. So we've tried to make our podcast a reflection of partnerships with Indigenous communities and support of Indigenous uh, communities and businesses. And I have a little dream, and that is if we ever have enough income that, uh, that, that this is allowed, is there are some really big 
public relations, communications, branding type marketing outfits that are Indigenous owned and and operated. That would be a a living example for the podcast is to do a rebranding at some time, because as you know, we've just kind of, we've wandered our way through this, which, which has its own charm and everything. But at some point, I kind of see the idea of, okay, let's see where we are. What are we trying to do now? Where have we been? And where are we going with the podcast? And the idea of uh, of hiring an Indigenous firm to consult with us on that work is just thrilling to me. One day, one day. (laughs) And you know what, Jessica? If that one day never comes, we are still having a wonderful experience here. And overall in, in society, it is a numbers game in a sense, but it's not really a numbers game in terms of this podcast because we are paying it forward and we're influencing other people. It's the ripple effect. 100%. And we got over 10,000 downloads. I think that's a big thing. But just one observation about that is it's the final milestone within the podcast host as far as number of downloads. Oh, really? that, That already hints that we've gone quite a bit farther than an awful lot of, an awful lot of podcasts have gone. So, so we have Nothing to be ashamed of, that's for sure. Good, good. So what's uh, what's your next one on your list there, George? Okay, so we're up to th- three now. And my next one is, so this one is very personal, and this is a little self-indulgent. But it's a reflection of, of who I am. So I s- came up with this idea. So I was I was thinking about a lot of the things I needed to do personally. I was thinking a lot of the conflicts between some of the indigenous ways of learning and worldviews and things that I'm learning, the uh, kind of a colonial imprint there is within my whole being that has informed much of what I've done in my life, many of the jobs I've had, all of the jobs I've had, how there has been this very, although I didn't recognize it as such, this kind of colonial imprint. I have this personal reconciliation thing going on. What is the difference between the mosaic and the melting pot? What does it mean to me? And I find with things like this that literally understanding them is a lot harder than kind of metaphorically and and beautifully and poetically understanding things. So I started writing a poem that is about my own personal journey, largely reflected on this podcast, and it's called uh, Imaginary Winnipeg. It involves a road trip. Have you ever driven a three on the tree? Three on the tree, where is that? I might have. Okay, so a three on the tree is a is is an old shift pattern in, in vehicles. And oh, I see, see, yeah, 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 yeah. So you yeah, come yeah. down, yeah. So you have yeah. you have first down here up close to you, and then you throw it up into second, and then you drop it down again into third. Uh, I had an old Ford truck with that had a three on the tree, and I loved that sense of power so much but anyway so that's in there so driving with a three on the tree and a imaginary person that will be kind of a shapeshifter with uh, in the passenger seat with me i don't think we ever actually get to winnipeg in the story but there are all these kinds of diversions that kind of talk about the understandings between peoples in turtle island so that sounds really vague and kind of bizarre and and it absolutely is but it's uh but I've but I've already written pieces of it and I'm and I'm really enjoying it. That's good. I think the the writing piece is important as reconciliation because you know the future of reconciliation isn't prescribed by anybody. This is new territory, right? We're trying to correct centuries of oppression. So it's something that hasn't been done in history in the history of Canada. So we need the creativity of people to envision something different, not to be constrained by systematic racism or things that they have been taught to think creatively about what this could look like. And we see industry partners making strides in this area and people like my consulting firm and the partners that we have helping people with reconciliation strategies, really thinking outside the box of what can be done. People often think of indigenization incorporation of Indigenous ways, uh, decolonization, reconciliation actions, you know, as as small administrative tasks, but it's not. It's cultural change. 
And it's building and repairing community relationships and individual relationships and helping people heal along the way. So it's something that touches every aspect of life, similar to how we talk about engineering to people, right? Like it's in everything, right? Um, There's some aspects of it that are touched everywhere. It's the same with reconciliation. It touches every aspect of who we are and what we do. And, And so we need people with creativity to blank slate it uh, and and envision what it could look like. So journaling, writing, free flow design, all of this is so important for reconciliation. So encouraging people to journal, to write. You know, I've been writing my story down as well. I've been told that I meant to write a book. I don't know what that means and what that looks like and, and things like that. But so I, I just, I just write <laughs> and we'll see what comes out of all of that. But I think this is, this is a great one. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you're ever in need of a non-Indigenous editor, I I know a guy. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) The next one I think I would encourage people to do is to talk to kids. Like this is such an important one because our kids are learning so much in the K-12 school. Like often when we talk to people at my stage of life, they say, well, I never learned any of this. I got to unlearn a bunch of things or I've got to relearn or learn for the first time, right? But one of the things that we do um, as a Kairos Blanket Exercise Facilitator is host for kids as well in schools. And when, again, just touching upon that creativity side of things too, their ideas for reconciliation are unbiased, right? They're unfettered for the most part. And so they come up with all sorts of ideas and solutions for what reconciliation could be. So talking to kids about it, I think, is a piece of it because we want our future leaders to be grounded in knowing the truth and seeing the truth, um, accepting the truth, and then ready for that next space, which I think kids are already poised to do. So it'd be encouraging people to talk with kids about reconciliation or even going that step further and volunteering in schools and outreach programs for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit kids specifically. Just beautiful. We talk a lot about entry points and kids are an entry point for so many conversations and ideas. I mean, even when it comes to the empathy, the sympathy, the, com- the compassionate piece that we want people to incorporate, for some reason, you can't reach them as easily when you talk about an adult as you can when you talk about a child because they are less likely to blame the child for the situation that the child is in. So that is a really good starting point for all kinds of people. And it's not just about meeting and working with Indigenous kids. It's working with all kids and introducing settler kids and newcomers and uh, people from other backgrounds and their kids and just kind of uh, and hearing what they have to say, listening to them and talking to them and, and having fun, like talk about having fun. I always find Working with ch- children is as little as I've done, but being around children is challenging, interesting, and fun. And I think that's uh, a, a part of it too. For sure. And that's what the elders teach us too, right? Uh, the importance of laughter, the importance of fun, and building community in that way. And, and again, traditionally, communities were built with kids at the center and then surrounded by elders. And then mothers who nourished and fathers who protected, right? And so kids should be always at the center. But I find too, like if you recall a couple of years ago when all the residential school recoveries was happening because they were finding children's bodies, it resonated with people and inspired and motivated people a lot more, I think, than hearing adult testimony. Not that people weren't empathetic to the adult testimony, but it hits a different chord when it comes to kids. And so it's such a great way to cement the current state of affairs and the need for help when you go into community and you work with the kids. Having worked in community, the state isn't the happiest for some kids. And it cements home why this is so important and that this isn't something in the past. This is right now. These are kids right now who are hurting. And if we don't have the empathy or the heart to do that. We got to really ask ourselves why that is. So my next one is, is I've been talking the talk a lot through the time of this podcast. Now, granted we had COVID as an excuse, but it is certainly less of an excuse these days. 
I really need to attend at least one significant Indigenous cultural event in 2023. I don't know what that'll be. I've been to sweats before, so I've done that before. It doesn't mean I won't do it again, but I think it would possibly be a powwow, and I don't know whether it'll be in this area. Could be, I think, August is the big uh, Masquerchies powwow, I believe, is usually in August. It might be that, just simply because it's geographically close. I want to go without any agenda. Like, so this wouldn't be something that I would be doing for the podcast per se. It would be something that I would be doing literally for me and my, and being able to experience it and, and see how, see what it means to me after having gone through this uh, two plus years of, of us having these conversations. This is a great one, and um, I'd echo with that one as well, right? This is round dance season. There's lots of round dances, so as well as sweat lodges, of course, too, um, with the equinox coming. But um, the University of Alberta hosts a round dance that's open to the public, so that would be an easy one for folks to take part in. Um, I don't have the date offhand, um, but it's in the next um, next little while here, as well as uh, the powwows, too. And so I think my next one will be to echo that. I will do the same one. <laughs> So I'll say ditto. <laughs> In the podcast that we did uh, about my trip to the north with uh, Chris Dennison, who came with me, as part of that trip, we camped in the Kamloops powwow grounds, but we didn't stay for the powwow. Like we, we were just very tired and we needed to go rest. So we didn't stay. But both of us said, you know what, uh, maybe next year we'll go and stay and take that whole powwow. And, and that's a really large one. About 20,000 people attend. Uh, it's the, the most beautiful arbor I've seen. So I, I think that would be one that's on my list of, of places to go and to attend as well, because I haven't been to one in BC before. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, that's number six and number seven is attend uh, a cultural events. So that's great. Unsettled Journeys in Truth and Conciliation. I'm George Lee, and my co-host is Jessica Vandenberg. So this one is directly from uh, Joseph Natauhau and his list. Joe is a Sturgeon Lake First Nations. Cree man who has a lot to do with this podcast. He's one of the inspirations, as are you, for the existence of this podcast. I'm gradually kind of building this bond with him and I want to work on it through coming times as well. He tells me next year is a really busy year for him. So I'm really interested to to see what he's got going on in 2023. But anyway, one of the things he suggests in a list of personal acts of reconciliation that people can do, and I hadn't thought of, is Listen to an Indigenous radio station. Like, we all have access to everything now, thanks to the internet. So to make it measurable, I'm going to say, like, once a month, I'm going to scope them out. I don't know whether it'll be the same one. I might find a station I really like. He has a couple of different suggestions. You know, I'm going to have, like, maybe it's a Saturday morning thing. I listen to an hour of Indigenous radio. You know, maybe it's a monthly thing, maybe it's a weekly, but I'm going to do that. going to come up with a little bit of a schedule of it and actually listen to some Indigenous radio. I think this is a great one. In Alberta, of course, Treaty 6, 7, and 8, Wind Speaker Radio is one that everyone can access. In the Edmonton area, there's a new one as well, and I can't recall what it is offhand. So maybe we can look that one up after and post that one. But this is a great one because they do work on pronunciation. So to tie it back to your first one, um, often they'll have like a Cree word of the day or a Dene word of the day or... um, they they speak stony a lot on one speaker radio as well so um so it helps with pronunciation and i just want to note as well shout out to the radio stations too on september 30th national truth reconciliation day they've been doing such a good job on that day of all indigenous content right so having conversations with elders having people talk on truth reconciliation having the sound bites and like, I've been so impressed by the radio stations and they're taking up the calls to action on that day. Just all of that means so much and it has such a broad reach. And so I just want to shout out the radio stations for that one. 
And you're speaking about radio stations just generally. Radio stations in general. Yeah, every radio station I listened to on that day was doing something in honor of National Truth Reconciliation Day, whether it was full day content or sound bites or whatever it was, they did something. That's really reassuring for sure. Wow, we're already up to my last one. So here, so oh, Sorry, no, wait a you minute, want... it's your turn. Yeah. Wait a minute, it's your turn. <laughs> wait for me. <laughs> the next one I have will be more the internal look. I'm going to continue with my healing journey. I think that's a big part of it. You know, with that podcast that we did going to the trip to the north, there's still a lot to process from that. As shared on this podcast before, I walk with complex PTSD. There's a lot of effects of that that come out in funny ways. One of it is doing too many things, (laughs) taking on too much. And as you know, George, I do a lot. (laughs) And, you know, that that is something that is a bit of a band-aid for complex PTSD because you just fill your life with a million different things. So you don't have time to rest and think or feel because you just want to avoid all those feelings, right? So this year I'm going to work on just slowing down and pausing and processing all that stuff because I know it's sitting there. I can feel it. <laughs> and so I, I think that's an important piece of it. And and that is something that I encourage anybody to do because I think the way our capitalistic world works and our complex business worlds work, we don't build in times of rest. Scrolling through social media isn't rest, right? And we all need to find time to rest, especially coming out of something as large as the pandemic and world war still going on and, and things like that. We we need time to process that stuff so that we can be healthy. So that that is always uh, the resolution that I have too. And I would like to just expand on it a bit that as a matter of public policy, I wish there were more opportunities for people at lower income levels to have access to that kind of thing. I have political opinions and I support some capitalist things and I support some fairly socialist things, as I think most of us do who think about these things. But I really feel issues like homelessness and drug addiction and mental illness and poverty are so hand in hand and we do a real bandage approach most of the time. It seems to me And I speak from a level of ignorance, I realize that. But as an observer, it seems to me we treat an awful lot of symptoms without going to root causes. And more happy, productive people, fewer homeless people, these are noble goals for all of us. And healing is so important. And it isn't easy. It isn't easy when we have access to to tools like counseling and being able to take some time and rest where we're not worried about where the next meal comes from for our kids, for example. There are luxuries that many of us have. And unfortunately, there are so many of us that, that don't. I, I think that's a sad reflection on our society. And and the thing about this, too, is that, you know, the elders teach us to walk with the medicine wheel, and that is about balance and center. So balancing your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual selves and finding out what that means. Emotional balance is one of those ones I think we've talked about before, too, that is tough to understand what that means. It's not denying your feelings, and it's not suppressing your feelings or not allowing yourself to feel those feelings. It's feeling those feelings, recognizing them, acknowledging them, and then letting them pass and letting them go. When it comes to worldview approaches to mental health, emotional health as well, these are very different too. So often what I see Eurocentric approaches through their companies and things like that, people, when they're not feeling well, they go and isolate themselves, right? And so the systems are built to isolate themselves versus Indigenous ways of healing are to go be in community, is to be around people to lean on other people, to really be grounded in that relationship and kinship idea. And so it's interesting to see how that perpetuates and how it affects the timing as well of how long healing takes, right? So in workplaces, you know, they say, well, okay, go take some time off, stay at home, like don't do anything versus like if you choose to go in community and return to the land, being around other people who are interested in supporting you through your healing will help 
release that burden and it doesn't feel as big. Because the hard part, uh, you know, I think you, you and I have both talked about our four ways into mental health at some points, like, is is things getting too big in our heads, right? And, and then that drags you down rather than lifts you up. But if you are in a spot in your head where you're feeling low and you reach out and are in community and people are supporting you, it keeps that from getting too big, right? So, yeah. One of the things you talked about earlier was in the same item, you, you spoke about a relaxing isn't scrolling. And then that ties into what our definitions of community are and an active presence with other people. I'm not going to diss every aspect of social media, but we, but we know that there are some really negative effects of social media and there are some behaviors that really are positive in our lives that, that are based around social media. I think we all kind of accept that as a given now. I certainly do. And, and community in person is a different thing. It is a far more well-rounded, constructive aspect of being with other people than being with them digitally. I would, cer- I, I certainly agree with what you said. For sure. And, and when I think through the places that I've worked um, and who has been open to different ways of supporting an employee's wellness, there are some that have been open and some that have been closed. So even working for a company that says that they work a lot with Indigenous communities or believe in the social contribution and community contribution, proposing a different way of approaching my mental health and the load that the work was having didn't quite resonate because it felt too different to them. But exactly what you said, you know, when the bundle is too heavy, just simply having somebody walk with you does a big thing, right? What the elders teach us is what is yours is yours and what's mine is mine. Like, uh, you can't save me. I can't save you. As much as I can have empathy and, and wish I could take away all your pain and someone could take all away mine, that's not possible, right? So what do you do? You walk with somebody, right? And, and that makes such a big difference. And even just simply sitting in circle with people helps a lot to lift those burdens and, and release those burdens, right? So, you know, where we are at the University of Alberta, we regularly hold sharing circles with elders now. And that's one of those things that just helps lifts the burden and carry people to be seen and help their bundles become lighter. That's an interesting comment. And I want to tie it to one personal thing in my life, if that's okay. Uh, One of the sweats that I have been uh, lucky enough to have been involved in was run by an elder from Saskatchewan. And he was a former chief. I'm not sure whether he was chief at the time. Really nice guy. And I got to know him right around the time I I was quitting drinking. As I recall, he was about 10 years without drinking at that time. You tend to kind of expand these things in your memory. So I don't know whether it was more than one walk, whether it was just one walk, but we went on a literal walk together and there were hardly any words said. And that walk was so important because even though I I think you're largely talking or not completely, but you're largely talking metaphorically, we walk with people. But this was a literal walk with this guy. And like I say, he's not a big talker, you know, or he certainly wasn't during this walk. And the few things that were said were unchallenging, uh, were not directed at me like, how are you doing with that not drinking thing, George, or anything like that. It was not the kind of approach I have had in similar situations with other people, <laughs> to be frank. It was just, it was just this, this silent support. That was so meaningful for me, partially because of who he was on on two levels, uh, because he was an elder and also because he was an elder who had run a sweat that I'd been involved in. And also because, so this is three things. And also because he was, he was a non-drinker like I had become. So I just want to give a literal example of that and how important it was in my life. And And it's still a touchstone for me that this guy cared enough about me just to walk with me. And that was it, you know, all it took to be important in my life at that moment. And actually, I was being literal as well. (laughs) So physically walking with people, (laughs) it does so much for me too. And 
it reconnects you with the land too. So it does like, like many things, it's an intersection of, of a several things that it does, right? Connection with the land, just having the presence of somebody with you and physical movement tied to the release of emotional. There's a special tie between them that uh, people can look into if they want to. But um, yeah, I meant literally as well, because I have a lot of people that do support me. But when I think through some of my favorite ones, there are people who just come to visit just to be in my house with me, right? And they come and there's no pressure to, you know, entertain or to cook for them or to chatter away like 24 seven when they're visiting. So it's, it's just nice to be around somebody and just be yourselves, right? Mm -hmm. You're listening to Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation. I'm Jessica Vandenberg, and my co-host is George Lee. So we're down to the last one. I think we've done really well. This has been a wonderful conversation. And I think this one really ties in with what we were just talking about. I don't know whether you follow some of the quasi and actual intellectuals on YouTube and their podcasts and things. One of the things that some of them have is ask me anything. Although those are sometimes really interesting episodes, I thought I'm not really in a position in my life where I'm ready to be an authority on many of the things we talk about. I mean, certainly there's certain areas of things we talk about that I am, but the power of listening and what we can get for listening. So I want to do in this year, and this probably will be for the podcast, but not necessarily, but just a a tell me anything session. So instead of ask me anything, it's tell me anything. One of the visions I have is a little card table, maybe at at a festival and people just approach and we show them the card. And I'm not going to say that there won't be some questions that come out of that. But the other thing is I want to record them, but how much they identify themselves is entirely up to them. Like whether they identify as what they are on the cultural spectrum, whether they're indigenous, whether they're not indigenous. I just want to listen to people about whatever they want to talk about. If they don't want to talk about the kinds of thing that the podcast is interested in, that's fine too. And there's kind of two groups, I guess I'm looking at fair goers. There's a heart of the city fair in Edmonton. That could be a place that I do it. And then another place, there is an organization called uh, Prairie Sage. I think it's called in Edmonton and they go out to homeless people around Edmonton. I want to reach out to them and maybe there's a time when they're giving out water in the summer or something and I can go along with them and, you know, and I can just turn a microphone on if somebody wants to talk and hear what they have to say. So that's that's a goal yeah. of mine. And and I think that's a great idea. Um, this idea of a tell me anything. And I and we do know a number of people that run a lar- the large festivals here in Edmonton. So I know the people who run Deep Freeze Festival as well as the Kaleido Festival in the Alberta Avenue district. Very arts driven by Arts on the Avenue, that organization. But yeah, I think this is a good idea and it would be interesting. His listening is one of those things too that we always say is so important as part of reconciliation, right? Is sitting and just listening. And then people will just come up and choose to say what they choose to say. Uh, but part of that is that they want to be seen and they want to be heard. When I talk to people about little things you can do, one of them is to truly see people. So walking along the street, if you see homeless people or people in poverty cycles, making the eye contact, helping to restore humanity. Because often, like even with myself, when I go into certain stores or certain settings, people will look at me and then you'll see like their glance just kind of slide away, right? So for whatever reason, uh, I'm not going to assume why. But often that is the way for Indigenous people because of ingrained stereotypes or, or things like that that they, they have grown up with. And so seeing people and believing their stories, hearing their testimony and, and just being witness to what they choose to share is a, is a huge gesture. So that, that is a great, that's a great idea, George. 
Okay. Uh, I'll just turn it back over to you if you want to wrap up with anything. And I just want to say, we'll have to revisit this and see how uh, specifically I've done, because I think mine, as we talked about at the beginning, mine have a, a few more specifics for me where a lot of yours are directed at others because we already know you do a lot. <laughs> and, and, I, and I did not want to make this podcast impose or this episode of the podcast impose upon you. Yeah, for sure. And, and this is one of those great things for winter, right? Because winter, again, is, is a time of reflection. It's a time of rebuilding relationships, nourishing yourself, restoring things, and, and getting ready for what the next year of experiences bring to you, the next round of seasons. And so, yeah, this is this was a great episode. This, this gave you a lot to think about. Thanks, George. <laughs> Unsettled, Journeys in Truth and Conciliation, is a production of Features West Studios in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, on traditional Treaty 6 and Métis Region 4 lands. Co-hosts Jessica Vandenberg and me, George Lee. Music written and performed by Kevin John of the Cayucat Chekloset First Nations on Vancouver Island. Logo conceived and designed by Corrine Riedel and Sandy Brown Van Dam. If you like what you've heard and you want more, consider supporting us financially. You can do that through one-time or monthly donations at coffee.com slash unsettledjourneys. That's ko-fi.com slash unsettledjourneys, all one word. We're listed in all the major podcast directories and some of the minor ones too. And we have a growing Facebook community you can join. Jessica and I also post regularly on LinkedIn, So, like us, share us, review us, converse, all that stuff. No matter how well you do on your resolutions in 2023, remember that the people who care most about you love you just the way you are. Have a wonderful new year. And we'll drop into your personal soundscape again very soon.